years in your ears with dick and uh oh years in your ears with dick and uh oh years in your ears with dick and uh oh dick and uh oh dick and oh in your ears well i hope you enjoyed that sparkly new theme tune performed by an extremely talented singer-songwriter. I don't know who, just... But anyway, hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Years In Your Ears, the podcast with Dick Denham and Owen Watts. Say hello, Owen. Hello. That that was Owen. (laughs) Uh, Where we take one year in recent history and we look back on it and we reminisce and we reflect and we we just generally have a good old natter about it today very excitingly we are joined by our first ever guest and it is actually a real person this time it's not just Owen doing an impression of Laura Kingsburg but way to destroy the illusion (laughs) today we are joined by a good friend of mine from the London comedy circuit. He is a stand-up comedian. He's previously been a viral sensation, as we'll discuss shortly. It is Narlin Disanayaka. Woo! Thank you for having me on as the Woo! first guest. I'm honoured. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it's lovely that, to have you. Sorry, that, I don't know you that pause or something make us sound being really sarcastic, but I'm really just happy to be <laughs> to be talking to people. <laughs> I think we're just I'm quite nervous because you're like our first guest, you know what I mean? I mean, how are you feeling, Owen? I've done a lot of talking so far. Would you want to say something? I'm feeling great, yeah. yeah okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all very relaxed, isn't it? It's all very relaxed yeah. and natural. Yeah. It's like a family Zoom call, <laughs> but without the resentment. <laughs> That's nice. It's, it's great to have you here. I mean, obviously... I've I've known you since around 2019, I think. Yeah. London open mic comedy mm. circuit and whatnot. How's how's comedy treating you? How's it all? Oh. You're supporting someone on tour at the minute or something, aren't you? Yeah, Pete K. Malley. He's doing like a small run of shows. A few in Glasgow, some down in South London and one in Brighton. So I'm doing like uh, 15, 20 minutes for him. That's in February. And then I just supported uh, Vidura Rajapaksa at Top Secret Comedy Club. Oh. So that was my first time doing Top Secret. So that was a lot of fun. Wow. Top Secret. That's Mm. a pretty big deal. Right. Okay. We're here to discuss a year. As we all know, as you are all aware, listeners, that is what we do. Each episode, we take one year. We discuss it. I've I've explained that. But but it's known. Obviously, we wanted our guests to choose the year. So, Narlin, do you want to, like, tell us what year we're going to be discussing in this episode? This year may divide a lot of people. It may provide a lot of people with nostalgia. I've chosen the year of 2016. Wow, yeah. It's a heavy year. Big year. We've got it here with us, sculpted in paper mache glittery bits some of it in different colors we've got the two is in blue the naught is red the one is yellow and the six don't know what you call that it's kind of like aquamarine turquoise type color but it's wonderful to look at and uh, thanks for mailing it over to us i just accepted it no they left it in the drive it's a lovely color combination it's like the romanian flag with some added turquoise but what, Marlin, tell us what made you choose this year? What made you choose 2016? Very eventful year for a lot of people. Um, me especially, I think. Um, I just got a lot of fond memories of it. I, you know, I don't know if you guys see it on the internet where it's like ever since the summer of 2016, everything is just dipped in quality. And I feel mm. that. I feel that a lot. I don't know why. I've got a lot of nostalgia towards the summer of 2016. It seemed like the best summer I've had in a while i was gonna say my brother got married that year so if he made that comment in his household that things have dipped in quality <laughs> since then I feel, I feel like it would open like a dispute yeah he, he, he might not make the comment but he can certainly agree with the comment in an anonymous <laughs> post on the internet i don't think he'd feel comfortable even nodding 
Maybe like a slight twitch of the eyes. What What if he's listening right now? It's very unlikely. His face will just be frozen in, in fear. <laughs> but Narlin, was it, is it like you say like, oh, things have really dipped since then. Is that personally but also do you feel that kind of like you know more broadly and the kind of like sociological way as well no it's a bit of both it's a bit of, i think things have stagnated for in terms of sociological and political stuff and in society in general it's always just been a mess but i think personally i was in the second year of uni at that point and i just felt invincible uh, you know oh, like, you yeah. know when in like in school in secondary school and like year nine year ten is like your invincible year you're most mm. comfortable but you can get away with a load of shit but you don't have to worry about exams and teachers know who you are. So it kind of gets away with that. It's the same with uni, but alcohol is involved. Wasn't it SATS in year nine? Yeah, but no one cared about SATS. <laughs> yeah, yeah no one cared about SATS. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No one cared about SATS. You just waited till summer started <laughs> and then start drinking in parks. I don't know what my mind went where I was like, well, there was SATS. <laughs> <laughs> I think they scrapped it by the time I got there. Or like they weren't as important. They've never been important for our generation either, no. really. Like no, no one's ever asked me what I got in my sacks. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> At the time, you felt like it was something you'd have to tell employers. Like. It's it's not like a question on Hinge or anything. <laughs> well, at the time, it was like, oh, you get good sats results and you get good GCSE results and you get... No, no, it wasn't that. No, it was that you go to college and go to university and get a good job. Then do your sats. <laughs> yeah then and then come back I... do your sats again <laughs> should we talk briefly about what we did in 2016 and then we should yeah i decided to retake my sats <laughs> can i just ask what does sats mean because i know it doesn't it mean something in, in america standard assessment standardized assessment tests probably okay. yeah that's I, this memory sticks with me forever is that some i asked it in school like year six or whatever when you did sats and asked someone what they thought it meant and someone just said because you sat the exam and it just stuck with me. I don't know why. I thought they were going to go places. Because you sit, I you sit down whilst you're taking the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's quite good. Oh, that kid's cool. Yeah. I don't even know if they were joking. Okay, so you were at uni then in 2016. Yes, I was doing a three-year course in theatre arts. Oh, nice. Where did you do that? Middlesex University, North London. Yeah. yeah, on Middlesex. I always, mm. It's very evocative, isn't it? It's a county that disappeared. It got like swallowed up by London. Started making a name for itself by three stabbings every year that I've been there. Well, at Middlesex University, theatre... Not in the theatre department, but just... In... <laughs> Cutthroat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all trick knives, so it's fine. <laughs> the fake blood. <laughs> that was part of the assessment, guys. <laughs> Convincing London street story. Very Radio 4. <laughs> Richard, what were you doing in the year 2016? Well, I moved to London the previous year. I was working for what you could describe as a think tank. I was very much enjoying my kind of new life in London. I was living in a flat share in East Dulwich. I went on a couple of holidays that year. I went back to Japan. Obviously, as I previously revealed on this podcast, I used to live in Japan. I went back there for two weeks in 2016. Yeah, that was me. How about you? Oh, what were you up to? The notes I made about 2016, because I think it was a bit of a between the year in terms of life events. It was the first year that me and my partner got pet rats. Which we had. The lovely Jasmine is the partner, not the rat. You can't summon her. It's not going to happen. She just like appears at the corner. Like. No, I was announcing just to provide. Contact. Yeah. Thanks. Also, when straight people say partner, it's a little bit like. I think it's egalitarian. Look, I'm just saying as a queer person, when I hear someone talking about their partner, it gets my hopes up because I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then when it turns out we're straight, I'm like... Yeah, oh. I do that a lot just to make myself seem like I've been inclusive. Oh, I say partner and you're immediately like... <laughs> do you think I've co-opted it? I like it because like... It doesn't feel possessive. It feels like no, no, it, no. It is lovely, and people are obviously. Plus, take... when you meet strangers and you say partner, they're like, they people are, are totally free <laughs> to use the word partner, and I, I yeah, I totally get why well, people you. like to use it. Yeah, no, I allow you to use it, but I'm just saying when you use it and then it transpires that you're straight, you probably are disappointing all queer people in the vicinity. Yeah, I can attest to that. If you want to disappoint queer people, then go ahead. I mean, I, you know. I aspire to do that. I felt like when I said me and my partner got pet rats, I didn't think partner was going to be the thing that you leapt on in that. 
we had a brief period where we owned rats and it was and it was a wonderful time Aww. but they're short-lived beasts and you go through the whole life cycle several times in half a decade and then you just don't really fancy it after that so i mean once you've seen them live beautifully and die briefly should have just left it there once you've seen them live once you've seen a rat truly live (laughs) (laughs) you can't you can't beat it yeah we've got two white rats they were called selena and spiral 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 yes not after the irish person on big brother no they were named after a four-armed x-men villain Ooh. it's just the kind of household we are were they, were they genetically tested on these rats were they, were they lab rats they did have quite large ears yeah, on on their their backs. Backs, yeah. <laughs> no they were lovely rats have you ever had any pet rodents no? uh not not ones not ones that um you know we've invited into the house from the from the pet oh, shop yeah you know i mean freeloaders <laughs> Yeah, it always used to be a thing. If you're a rat owner, you go, well, we've got rats. And then you go, intentionally. Yeah. (laughs) Nylon, as our guest, we'd love you to go first. What's your first topic for us to chat about? From 2016. There was a lot to choose from, obviously a lot, lot, lot of good ones, but uh, I spent a lot of time on the internet, so I thought I'd go for the most viral and memeable moments of 2016. Oh, did you have any in mind? I did. I start with the uh, with the new year, January first. It's already a great meme for for British culture, anyway, because uh, a photographer called Joel Goodman posted a photograph of what would only be described as a British Renaissance painting of. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Yes, that was from January first. Yeah, January first, twenty sixteen. Blimey, that's just launching yeah. the year of memes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is, is the big bang of means of 2016. <laughs> that feels that like longer ago than 2016. I know, I know, but the meme's still relevant. It's still, it still props up every now and again. Somewhere in Manchester, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that like the first photo that people started saying, like, "Oh, this is like a Renaissance painting"? Because I feel yeah, like that's you. It. That's quite common now, like in internet parlance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, I think, that's the only photo that definitely suits the description of a renaissance painting i think the person that commented on it was some bbc editor who retweeted the photo it's like this looks like a painting and then people started chiming in with the memes of yeah i think it has the fibonacci oh the spiral sequence which allows you to see like yeah where it's got it's a compositional it allows you to see the balance uh, of an equation something like that it's got like the perfect structure mm. of an image. people say that about capybaras as well that it yeah. conforms to that spiral thing <laughs> just going back to the radio oh, i had to mention cap i don't think i've bought capybaras up yet actually in this podcast but i love capybaras now then i know i, I appreciate your capybara yeah. stories oh yeah um, i've been trying not to do that so much this year because i just uh no just don't, don't. Bit... me and my partner really like them oh your partner do you your your partner? Do you want to talk more about <laughs> my partner? Your, your partner? What's yeah, she? yeah, my partner. Uh, she. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another one. Yeah. <laughs> no, another one. When was that? That, that was, was twenty. No, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that earlier because I was like, "Was that 2016? No, that was twenty seventeen no, because 17. that was oh. um after Theresa May announced the election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. N- another meme. Let's do another meme. What have we got? Uh, a minor vote that the public had to do back in 2016. Not not the big one. A minor one is when the British public were in charge to name a polar vessel and give it a lovely name. And what did we settle for? Boaty McBoatface. What a time. What a time to be alive. And that was in May. That was well good. And it's and it's just set sail, doesn't it? It sets. Oh no. It's that was 2019. It went off to the arctic well so i have some facts for you that i can crowbar in here okay the name was coined by a bbc radio jersey presenter called james hand which is a great name yeah and he himself was referencing a bird that was also named through an internet poll on an adopt a bird program and it was an owl that was named hootie mcowl face <laughs> which i would argue is funnier 
<laughs> yeah, it's way better. Interestingly enough, the announcement that year that the research vessel would not be named that and it would be called the Sir David Attenborough, which is what it did end up being called. Yeah. And, but one of the exploratory subs was called Boat and McBoat. That's it, yeah, yeah. But th- that announcement was made by Joe Johnson, Boris's brother. Yeah. He's already done better damage management there. Yeah. He was a minister at the time, wasn't he? He was a science yeah, minister. Yeah, I think he was the minister of boat naming. <laughs> or the minister um, of sucking joy out of the nation. Other naming McName faces. A bookmobile, a race course, a train, a ferry, a megabus, a bridge on the Isle of Wight, Richard, apparently. What is called? Floaty McFloat face. That would be the floating bridge, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A sluice gate in the Netherlands, a snowplow in Minnesota, a skate park in Southend-on-Sea, and SpaceX, because Elon's always got to get his fucking... Get his shares up. One of his satellites is called Dishy McFlatface. Yeah, but that's breaking the convention. Well, arguably, it's going right back to Hooty McAlface. Oh, I guess. Is, you know, yeah, true. The core of that meme. Sorry, moving on. <laughs> what else have we got? You mentioned Damn Daniel in the thing. Damn Daniel. Oh, Damn Daniel. Daniel. You know, I've, yeah, I forgot. I totally forgot to write notes on Dan Daniel. When did that come out? Have you have you got stuff on that? That was. I just looked it up earlier. What what time of the it month? Was, was it was. That? It was, was like a high time? school student in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just kept making. Was it vines? Was vines still a thing back then? Because I know it. I think yeah. it was vines. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's pre TikTok. It, it was just totally that kind of like teenage it reminds me of like my brother and his friends when they were like teenagers that kind of like teenage boy like humor damn daniel back at it again with white bands again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only thing i learned about that was one of them lara got a lifetime supply of van shoes after she appeared on ellen and she is dan lara is his name daniel lara uh... well this shows how much i was paying attention to that <laughs> Sorry, just imagine if it wasn't Dan who got the lifetime pair of shoes. <laughs> what a piss take it would have been. His, his face is all over the internet. What if it was Ellen? Yeah, and it was just the girl <laughs> filming it that got all the fucking shoes. I wonder if Ellen was horrible to him. Probably. I expect that, you know, proportionately, I think she probably was. Don't look at me. Don't look at me, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> look at me when I talk to you, Daniel. <laughs> Take off you your shoes. You can have shoes. You can have vans, Daniel, but they're not white. I don't give a damn about your damn shoes. <laughs> We've got to crack through these. Okay, memes. next one. Next one. This is probably I, I'd argue one of those iconic memes of 2016 was uh, Harambe, which has still been used today. I mean, all the memes have still been used today at some extent. But I think Harambe holds a special place in everyone's heart. I think I'm just <laughs> I'm still trying to process it, you know. And then I just remembered. <laughs> I was obviously there was the incident itself, which was yeah. really tragic. Although, kind of when you like read around it, it kind of seems like was like within the context of keeping an animal in a zoo. You know, obviously, you can debate whether or not that is ethical. Is that a debate for now, though? That's what I would. But within the context <laughs> of the child safety, like it seemed like. They had no choice but to kill him. But I'm conscious even as I say that, I might No, be... no, they fully had to get, you know, Harambe got got. What I would like to say is primatologist Jane Goodall literally said, yeah, it was probably fine. So I imagine if, like, the chief expert of all apes says, yeah, shoot the fucker. <laughs> Not her exact it's words. Just, it's just what happens in our, it. Like, yeah, all zoos have guns on site just for that reason. They you know? do. I can attest to that. My partner used to work in a zoo, and she, yeah, she said they had a special code that would go over the radio if things had escaped, and they would have to uh, obviously scaling up so the anti to go out. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be, be like, like AK forty seven and some like grenades and <laughs> the steel shutters come down. <laughs> The drones come chasing out. after it with an Uzi. <laughs> but Narlin, do you want to talk a bit about the kind of like memes that arose out of the incident? Wasn't there a whole phase about Harambe being really attractive? He was very muscular. <laughs> I've got to say that. Gorilla. I did rewatch the video today, and he was um he just turned seventeen. I don't know how long gorillas live for. Yeah, he was killed the day after his birthday. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Oh, that's sad. Uh, th- th- what I thought was interesting tonally about the wikipedia article is that it seems to retrospectively be viewed as like one of the last all sides memes as in they were going all sides of the political spectrum were finding harambe like 
memeable in different ways yeah. if you see what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. one side of it is kind of enjoying the irony of it the other side is kind of enjoying the the melodrama of it and so i think you know just before trump got in as well i read that same wikipedia article and it's crazy that donald trump was questioned on it do you know what i mean and like gave a quote on yes. it yeah <laughs> yeah i did write down donald trump's quote because i thought it was so what funny. did he say he said i thought it was so beautiful to watch that you know powerful almost 500 pound gorilla the way he dealt with that little boy like it's a member of his staff and then he was like well, obviously anything could have happened so it's probably the right thing to do sounded like there was an element of projection going on there yeah definitely <laughs> There's a meme I'm looking at right now. It's like they call it gorilla glue because Harambe was metaphorically the glue that held this nation together. Yeah, I mean, arguably, what you were saying about 2016 being kind of the beginning of the stagnation, let's say, could that have been the moment Harambe died? You know, America lost hope. Did it swing the election? Oh, Ah, (laughs) probably, probably. There's definitely a lot going to it. I heard as Harambe died, said no Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a different gravitas towards harambe in general because i'm looking at an article from the first of january 2017 and the, the headline is how a dead gorilla became the meme of 2016 mm-hmm. so he held he mm-hmm. carried some weight it's so weird when you think about it from harambe's perspective in terms <laughs> of like he was just being a gorilla do you know what i mean like <laughs> This child landed in his pen and he was yeah. just like dealing with it in the way that a gorilla would do. But... Yeah, just grabbing I mean, it, yeah. taking up a ladder. Yeah, well, it's not every day a child gets, you know, appears in the pen. So it's a special day for him too. <laughs> I like you're about to say gets thrown. <laughs> let's not get the legal case. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, let's not go there. He did fall in the pen. Let's not get conspiratorial. But R.I.P. Harambe. Just, just our thoughts. R.I.P. And... Harambe. Our thoughts are... Is it my choice? You, Owen. It's you. It's you now. It's you. Okay, I have chosen uh, 2016 as the debut of the TV show Fleabag, which was the only kind of relevance to anything, really, is that where did Fleabag originate? This I found really interesting. Does anybody know? Well, she originally wrote a play in 2013, didn't she? Phoebe Waller-Bridge, that is. Like The Fringe or something, isn't it? It was a Fringe show, but it originated Mm. from before that. It was a stand-up storytelling sketch challenge that she came up with, Fleabag. So it was actually an open mic stand-up is where it came from. Ten minutes set. Wow. Was that, when did she write that or do that stand-up bit in 2013? Before, Well, the Edinburgh Fringe show was 2013, I think, so it would have been... A few years before that, yeah. Now, let's make it like 2009 or something, because I can't be having <laughs> the time frame that she's done it in four years, and I think I've done stand-up for the same time, and she's got a fucking hit TV show in that time. <laughs> let's not directly compare ourselves to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. No, that's... she's got better connections. <laughs> so that's a really interesting in terms of its genesis i mean did we mm. all did we all watch fleabag i have not i did have you not seen it i've not seen any of it no oh. i remember it coming on tv because it was on i think bbc3 weirdly rest in peace but then now not rest in peace again yeah it was like the biggest thing on bbc3 it was like the thing that everyone was like oh, bbc3 eh? and i remember seeing it quite cold as in i don't think there'd been any hype for it and i was a bit like this is really good. <laughs> there was definitely a period in the early uh, tentacles, let's say. Uh, let's call that. Oh, is, that what they call it? is that what people call it now, the tentacles? Not people, no. There was definitely a period when every you brought up sitcoms in the BBC, everyone would be like, well, they're shit, aren't they? They haven't done a good one since Blackout. Basically, the BBC had supposedly not churned out a good comedy in years and years, mm. since at least the early noughties. It was Two Pints BBC? <laughs> the weird thing, you know what, no, I was literally about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think Fleabag definitely, it, it just sort of came out of nowhere and the whole nature of it, where she's constantly breaking the fourth wall like all the time, it was really fresh. And then the second series comes along quite a bit after that, I think 2019, 2018 possibly. And it somehow manages to outmaneuver it like thematically so i really yeah. like that because it's, it's really funny but it's also like incredibly honest and it has a lot to say about what relationships are and what grief is and all, all you know it's all wrapped up in this incredibly cleverly put together package really good cast as well and it has this added thing which i really enjoy about it which is that barack obama said it was one of his favorite comedies Whoa. and there is a scene in which she masturbates over barack obama <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the shout out he wants. Yep. He's like, can we just do more of this? <laughs> I really enjoyed Fleabag. I think I would describe it as more of a dramedy rather than a comedy. I know that's a bit of a, an annoying portmanteau, but uh, there were like a lot of quite like obviously emotionally involved like storylines and like quite serious themes. It was criticised in the same way that Girls was for trying to present a very privileged white experience as as universal uh, what i'm really glad about is like since fleabags come out we've had a lot more programs that do reflect a wider and more diverse like range of experiences such mm. as you know i may destroy you i wonder what the legacy is because obviously it's kind of launched her career in terms of she's going to be in the next indiana jones which is mad you know and things like killing eve and that which are just huge critical things but the core of it is that you know, her looking at the camera and being very deadpan. And it's just so weird that, well, yeah, like you're saying, the timeline of it, it's insane that it's gone sketch show, Edinburgh Fringe, TV show, now she's massive. Yeah, 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 exactly. Then she was in a Star Wars. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I think... And a Harry Styles music video. Really? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not universal at all, man. I ain't got those kind of contacts. That is definitely the upper echelons of life. If you can afford to do that. Exactly. Flea bag to Harry Styles in one easy leap should we go to your second and last pick now and what have we got cool so what i wanted to go through for this year probably adds on to the why probably like the summer of 2016 a bit much is because uh of grime music rising into the mainstream being available in everyone's ears so yeah uh, any questions Rhyme, eh? I, I'm really glad that you picked this because, yeah, like I kind of said towards the beginning, I just moved to London in 2016. I moved in 2015. And I, I do remember, like, listening to, like, grime music because I think it was just coming into the mainstream mm. around then yeah, yeah. as well. I remember seeing Skepta do um, That's Not Me yeah. on Jules Holland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, what kind of artists? Would you call that a litmus test of going mainstream as being on? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, on Jules Holland. The minute they touch that kind of black rubbery floor, you've made it. <laughs> You're part of British pop culture. You are. I mean, he references in the song, doesn't he? Because there's like a breakdown in the song where lady's voice comes in and she's like, oh, uh, a bunch of young men all dressed in black dancing really aggressively on primetime TV. It's just not what I expect to see. So he like super self-aware about it as well, which I loved. I think he's sort of the one that brings grime into the mainstream, isn't he? Because he brings out the fourth album, forget the name. Uh, Konnichiwa. That got a Mercury Prize. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like before, before to bring like grime or any sort of like kind of music like that into the mainstream in like our lifetime or like, yeah, mm. from my kind of early days of listening to music, it had to be like on Radio 1 singing about a girl you take on holiday and whether she want a pina colada, whatever you rather. Mm. Disney rascal so doing that stuff like because it was a bit of hype still building from through the years because i'm from croydon anyway so i kind of grew up around that kind of music uh, i never really listened to it too much this is the thing i used to listen to like heavy metal punk and pop punk and stuff like that but grime was such a part of our culture like it was just everywhere you couldn't escape it you could see rappers like crept and conan and all that sort of stuff like rolling around my area in like mercedes and stuff and you kind of knew who they were even if you weren't part of the scene so from that growing into i think 2015 is probably when it really blew up with like that's not me being released shut down i think skeptic released and stormzy's did shut up the freestyle in 2015 but in 2016 mm. is when it all was just all over the radio yeah and stormzy released the debut i think like the beginning of 2017 so i think that's from the freestyle coming out to the, the album coming out, coming yeah, out. yeah yeah exactly it just grow it just kind of grows because yeah. the the last show we were talking about how similar Lady Gaga, that kind of how a thing grows in popularity and how it starts to how it kind of gradually expands. And I know that my version of this is Glastonbury Festival. And like from 2016 onwards is where you start to get more and more grime artists on multiple stages around the site. And that's where it's clearly really started to penetrate as a yeah, genre yeah, yeah, that... into not just because I think Skepta was on the pyramid stage yeah, that yeah. year. And then the year after that, Stormzy's on the other stage headlining it and you have smaller grime acts everywhere, everywhere else. Yeah, because 2016 where they said like yeah, grime yeah. take over Glastonbury. From what you said just now, do you feel like before like around 2015, 2016, like in order for a grime artist to like enter or a grime MC to like enter the mainstream, they had to like basically 
stop doing grime and become you know do pop music yeah. or dance music kind yeah, of like what Rascal, Dizzy Rascal yeah. did in the early tentacles uh, Chipmunk did it as well we had like a song called Oopsie Daisy and I think Chris Brown featured it at some point but it was sued for radio friendly like he, he Chip doesn't even want to acknowledge that that he made those tracks anymore you had to pander to a softer thing you know what I mean right can I just Go bring on. in Lady LeSure please please do <laughs> she here she is yeah is she? that's my part oh, yeah. <laughs> That would be the biggest plot twist of the yeah. evening. <laughs> She's just got rats. Like I think her Queen's Speech 4 with the brushing the teeth element to it, mm. that was in 2016. Yeah. And again, it's a sort of different type of grime. And she became huge in America, I remember, off the back of that. And again, that's that's 2016. And that's like early 2016 as well. Yeah. So you're right. The summer is it like kind of hitting the full... Why did you specifically bring up... Because I've got that song on my workout playlist. Why do you specifically bring up the brushing my teeth it was so iconic though i think it just became like everyone picked up on that on that lyric that whole time i remember seeing it all over twitter i have seen her live and people bring toothbrushes swear that's joe yeah Yeah, she she does she does really go into it like i have i did think that when i was listening to the song like she is really questioning why people don't brush their teeth we saw a glastonbury 2019 and she would fling toothbrushes into the crowd. <laughs> That's actually very useful at Glastonbury. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking useful. <laughs> she knows good. as well. And like, <laughs> she's got the vibe of like, the minute I get off the stage, I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I don't want to like, be here. Do you think like, she can write that off as like a charitable expense? Yes, she definitely buys them in bulk. It's either like, like, <laughs> like on a rider. Just like a bottle of Avada. Like Stormzy does his um has his Cambridge scholarship and Lady Lisha gives out toothbrushes to the general general public. You know, give back to the community. Shall we move on to Richard's last or and the last pick from 2016? Yeah, so like so Nalin obviously just chose or was just talking about like grime, you know, being a big part of like summer of 2016. And I do seem to remember the summer of 2016. I feel like it was quite like a long summer. I don't know where. It was definitely a hot summer. It was a hot summer, wasn't it? Yeah. A long, a long hot summer, let's say, in the the worlds of um, Girls Aloud. I wanted to talk about a musical kind of topic. And basically what it is, is I don't know if it was just me or if it was like a more general thing, but it definitely felt like there was a resurgence, particularly amongst the queer gay community. You know, I was in my late 20s at the time, very late 20s, actually. But there was a resurgence of 90s dance music, like 90s club music. So I'm talking acts like Living Joy, Alex Party, JX, Urban Cookie Collective. But really, like, the the acts' names don't really mean anything, like, because they were largely, like, one-hit wonders. So the kind of songs I'm talking about is, like, I'm a dreamer. I, I was listening to a lot of that in 2016. I felt like 2016 is when I think the first Mighty Hoopla Festival was held down in Bognor Regis. And that is basically aimed largely at like the queer community. And it's kind of brings back a lot of those acts from the 90s. So over the years at, at various Mighty Hooplers, I've seen the Venga Boys, I've wow. seen Live in Joy as well. Uh, it was quite funny when I saw Live in Joy because they only had two big songs. And this woman came out, the singer in, in Live in Joy, and she did their first song. And then she said, right, I'm just going to do one more song. And then she did the second song. Luckily, she didn't try and do a a new track or anything so I wanted to bring up this topic just because I felt at the time moving to London you know like as a as a queer uh, non-binary person like I'd always wanted to live in London like growing up you know like being taken to London it always felt like oh it's so exciting and stuff I did definitely feel liberated some way living in London because you kind of feel like well no one gives a shit you can just like not that I, I have it had passed along the streets and stuff in London from people. I have been, you know, a victim, so to speak, of hate incidents. But that kind of music really reminds me of that time of having, like, just moved to London and feeling, like, this sense of freedom. But also it's weird because the music is wrapped up in nostalgia for me because a lot of that music I remember from, you know, Owen, 
you'll remember when the fair used to come to Glastonbury, the, what do we call it? We called it the fair, didn't we? I mean, I'd like to sound less rural. <laughs> do you remember when the fair used to come around to Glastonbury? <laughs> Richard, it was called Tour Fair. It was called Tour Fair. Yeah, yeah. But they used and to play was... that kind of music on all the like rides and stuff. And yeah, like... and it was just spinny things and yeah, yeah. It just reminds me of like wandering around those fields, like, you know, really drunk, like as a teenager and stuff. I was going to say the, the, the one thing I found on this, and I don't know if you'll agree with the, the genre uh, assessment, which is Eurodance, but I suppose that is describing 90s poppy dance music to some people. But when I searched it, I found an article on MTV from September 2016 called Mining the Depths of Eurodance Nostalgia. And the author of it, Megan Garvey, puts her sudden resurgence, and I think she's around our age. Just to be clear, that's mine and Owen's age. Yeah, no, that's that's for the audience to know. I had to guess that I was older. Uh, uh, Megan Garvey puts as the act of doubling down on nostalgia is a deliberate act of not creating content so she found it attractive to go back to 90s pop music and kind of the music of her youth as going it's not something i would share on twitter is not something i would make content out of it's just something for me and i thought that was a really interesting way of kind of phrasing that it's not a guilty pleasure but it's also not exciting up and coming music that's shareable and we can talk about it but it's almost like it's not for that do you see what i mean does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, I do, I do see that. Although I always think of nostalgia, it's about kind of reclaiming the past and like making it into something new. Mm. Um, yeah, because, um, just sorry, just to go back on that comment, because like Stranger Things came out that yeah. year and that's exactly what they did. They totally reclaimed mm. the past and made it into something that's new. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good and point. And it's interesting, actually, like the thing that people say about Stranger Things is like, it imagines the 80s as this like brightly lit, colourful yeah. time. Mm. And a lot of people who kind of live through the 80s say, well, actually, it was like very brown and like, do <laughs> you know, yeah, it was yeah. a very like grey and High brown unemployment. kind of yeah. my life now. <laughs> but Nylon, do you feel like, I, I, I don't mm. know, like if you listen to kind of like grime artists like from that year, I guess you, you yeah, feel 100%. a sense of nostalgia for that summer. That summer in particular, because I went and saw Skepta at Alexander Palace at the end of the year. And he brought out pretty much everyone that you could possibly name who had a big thing going on that summer as well. So that was a nice kind of end of year wrap up party of all of the grime artists coming on stage and doing all their big hits and whatever. The song that I'd probably associate that summer with, it's a bit of a weird one because Kano released Made in the Manor that year and he's got a song called T-Shirt Weather, which is like his summer nostalgia song. And I think he talks about like 2005 and how that was the best song Mm. for him. But whenever I listen to that song, even though... Mm. It came out in 2016. Now when I listen to Back to it, it thinks me of that summer and it's like a Russian doll. It's him being nostalgic, but it kind of ropes you into Yeah, yeah, exactly. It. And then you feel nostalgic about hearing yeah. it for the first M- maybe time. Maybe I don't actually give a shit about that summer, but that song just makes me think I care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe in 10 years you'll feel differently about Yeah, maybe. It. <laughs> it's so interesting because we're like referring to... Because 2016 is the most modern year we've done so mm. far. And it's in, it's interesting to kind of we've ended up our choices talking about nostalgia, and for me it's still quite a recent year. But then there's also this kind of mental buffer of mm. what's happened recently, obviously, yeah. where we've kind of gone. That it feels like that's a stop. So 2016 just looks like this insane different place where yeah. you're like. Yeah, we did all, yeah. We did all year, of that yeah, in one yeah, year. Too. And we did all of this and all that. My choice like feels particularly weird because I was thinking about it and it's like I'm talking about so I'm talking about feeling nostalgia mm. then. And I'm talking about feeling nostalgia for that sense yeah. of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. But one other thing actually I'd say, particularly about kind of dance music from the early nineties and that kind of music, is that I mean, when I moved to London, I became, oh, it was probably the point when I had the most number of other friends who were like gay men. And like, it was so weird how like independently we were all into this kind of music and we all remembered these songs and like, mm. we kind of like, you know, bonded over that. I had a number of friendships where we bonded over our love of that music and also kind of like late nineties, early noughties pop nice. music. Yeah, I was going to say that, that if, if I was going to pick something for this year, but we've gone so musical that I, didn't do music but 2016 was the year in Bristol that I found like a little clique of people who are into the same music as I was 
And we um, we started a podcast off the back of it. And we're still part of this little scene group where we all chat about gigs and stuff. And it, like that was the year that I met all of them. But that wasn't for Eurotrance. That was for Doom Metal. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the same. same vibe. I, <laughs> it's the I same, get basically. That. I mean, it's probably a similar, like, beats per minute. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. <laughs> right. So, dear listeners, now is the time of the episode when we play the games. Let the games commence. Ooh. I've got to say that I'm quite proud Like we've done The majority of this episode All about 2016 And like we've barely mentioned Brexit I think that is Quite a good achievement We should pat ourselves on the backs for Is it even worth thinking about? <laughs> it gave me my viral moment I don't know if I should bring that up Oh shit we God didn't... <laughs> Jeremy We're going to talk Oh sorry we They've waited The listeners have waited All episode and now Oh yeah What was Yeah do you want to so the vote got announced and I thought I'd make a silly video because, you know, Brexit, racism was on the rise or whatever. So I thought I'd make a silly video. Me walking down the street, flashing off my British passport because I felt like it was the only thing I had to keep me safe. And I posted it on my Snapchat. That got some laughs on that. And someone said, you should post this on Facebook. And I did. And at the time I was going to a blood test for whatever fucking reason. And I posted it, got on the tube, didn't hear anything on the tube. Then did the t- got actually got seen to straight away. Uh, at the hospital so I didn't have any time to look at my phone but I could feel it buzzing like going crazy in my pocket so what the hell is happening Uh, yeah then I opened my phone and it already been shared like over a thousand times at that point and you're like wow and then it just kept going and I was just playing football in the park with my mates and the shares just kept going going views going right the way up to like 800,000 bloody hell 800,000 and then the mail reported on yeah, it. Yeah, the mail picked up. I got DMs from the Daily Mail going, can we talk about your article? I was like, yeah, go for it. What do you want? So, so they contacted you. They have these little agents roaming around the, the internet that would hit you in the DMs and they'd ask you questions about it. Yeah, the Daily Mail, the BBC, Croydon Guardian. Never forget your roots. I actually, Yeah, I spoke to the Croydon Guardian because I thought it'd be nice. How long did the whole, from start to end, from when you posted it at the day of the blood test to when people stopped talking about it how long was that Uh, was it literally like a couple of weeks or was it months and months and months the internet and the press and stuff is probably like two weeks and then Mm. it it still gets mentioned with like mates and stuff or like if anyone introduces me to someone else it's like guys i've done more than that i've had a life since then (laughs) yeah no it's just a weird two minutes you know did it make you feel that kind of like going viral it was weird because i didn't expect it I didn't expect it at all. And then I didn't get tagged in anything. People just kept posting my walls. Like, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And someone posted. Uh, apparently my clip had been put on top of this like news channel's Facebook page, like Joe News or something, or Plus 44 News. And that clip had got shared, like it had like 6 million views. And that was like the oh. next morning. It was just a weird sensation. I mean, you can't even fit that into your head. Do you ever get recognized from a... No. No, that was such a long time ago in history. I get the occasion when it comes back on fe- people's Facebook memories. Um, and people I don't know tag me in it, which is nice. I always get this one guy going, this still cracks me up. <laughs> I still were like, cheers, man. Thanks, thanks for posting that up every now and again. <laughs> if you want to see what I'm doing now, oh, he's logged off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let the games begin. Let's do it. For fuck's sake. So first one, comings and goings. So this is when we guess a birth and a death okay. from 2016. Okay. So the birth, I think you might get this one. One of you might. Really? One of you is might. It, is it somebody famous's baby? Well, you could say that. Okay. C- can we say that? You could say that you yeah that would can i guess now or, or are there clues please yeah, do yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it um okay. kanye west baby it's not kanye west no jay-z's and, and beyonce's it's not beyonce no ah. are they known for pop or are they actors or are they politicians yeah probably closest to the last one you said politicians politician yeah close to a politician the the baby was born near a politician is this a viral moment Uh, no (laughs) no that is i will tell you yeah shall i go on in 2016 on the 5th of february (gasps) 
Jigme Namigal Wangchuk was born. He was the first child and heir apparent of King Jigme Kazar Namigal Wangchuk, the King of Bhutan. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot yeah, that. Yeah, did we not see that's to be fair, I only forgot that because it's uh it's Cristiano Ronaldo's birthday that day, and evidently also my mum's. So I I, I always remember that just pushes my mum's birthday. Yeah, the boot the King Ronaldo. of Bhutan barely features on that day. Yeah. It's it's a it's a tough day to be born on the fifth of February. I'm sorry. Okay, so, well, well Bhutan is a landlocked country between China and India. And in honour of the birth of Jigme Namigal Wangchuk, volunteers planted 108,000 trees across Bhutan. Lovely. Isn't That's that lovely. nice? That's well good. So if, you, if you're listening, Jigme Namigal Wangchuk, all, you, your Royal Highness, all, all the best to you and yours. That's definitely the most literal present she'll grow into. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of trees. You would. Oh, God. I love Is that. It, it's a he. It's a he. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can. I can yeah. tell. Um. Well, hopefully, we could get Jigme, Namigel Wangchuk. Maybe when he's a bit older and has a bit more, you know, a bit more about. Do you him have any nostalgia for about. the grime renaissance of 2016? <laughs> okay, who died? Who, who died? actually? This is really sad. Um, I'm not. I'm not building this up. Uh, why did you pick someone sad? Yeah. Well. I could have picked Jay Goody the last time, and I didn't because that. No, was it's sad. really sad for me, and I'm not saying that. Like, like I'm building this up to be a punchline. Like it is genuinely sad. It was. Is it someone you? Was an actor? No, 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 no. It's not someone I knew. Per- well, actually, I did receive something in the post from her once. Guess who it is? It is someone who's extreme. Who is very important to me as a comedian. Your mum. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. What a way to crowbar that in. Just be like, yes. and now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> As a comedian. And you received something in the post from her. Yeah, that. I've received something Victoria in the post from her like, in my childhood. Oh. Yes, Victoria Woods. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. What did you receive from? So I was a fan of Victoria Wood as a child. My mum had Victoria Wood as seen on TV on video, and I just I loved it. And she also had an audience with Victoria Wood. But anyway, I just I loved her from. I I just thought she was so funny the way she makes like these really like astute observations about that everyday life. She was obviously a really talented comedic musician as well. Mm. Uh, I used to love Acorn mm. Antiques. I think a lot of the stuff that we see now in the theatres, you know, play that goes wrong and stuff, I think all of that owes its whole existence to what Victoria Wood did in Acorn Antiques. I remember I was in a Campbell Leisure Centre at the time. I just got there after work and they had like the news channel playing. And I remember seeing Victoria Wood but she passed away. It was definitely the death from 2016 that most affected me i remember texting my mom and you know really genuinely feeling upset by it yeah because it, it, that was it you know like that was a year full of horrible sad deaths wasn't it that was like a year where wherever you stood on culture there was going to be someone yeah like whether it's alan rickman or prince or, uh, for me. or bowie or prince yeah you know like there's so yeah. so many good people died that year who like everybody knew uh, yeah you did pick a sad one thanks for that um right so now we're going to roll on and do top single of the year now this is a song i have never heard till today oh, yeah uh, i don't i don't think i'm okay. gonna get there any guesses was it are they are they american oh I are don't they american know. no they're not they're not famously not no is it a drake song it is a drake song um and this is Oh, oh, it's not Hotline hot Bling. Town no. uh, Bling. One Dance? It is One Dance, yes. Um, now, yeah. I heard that today for the first time, but this has a fucking link to what we were talking about. Because it samples something. No, it, it, not the sample, but the it features WizKid, and WizKid was introduced to Drake by Skepta. Skepta. Good fact. Um, and I I made a note after I heard it that I thought the sparse piano in there has a very 90s pop vibe. 
I feel you could crowbar a link into both. Yeah, that that, that was that was quite yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like slightly Afrobeat influence. Yeah, I think it's mainly dancehall. I think it's like a dancehally type. Yeah, you were talking earlier on about how grime had been watered down. And I think yeah. apparently Drake was like, oh, I never really do dance halls, so we're going to package it with something else because no one's going to dig it. And then it turned out to be one of the biggest songs ever. Songs, it, yeah. Just how big it is, I didn't realise. It ended up beating Rihanna's 10-week chart run with Umbrella and it now ties with Wet, 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 second only to Brian 15 Adams. 15 weeks? Mm-hmm. Wow, uh, 15 weeks yeah, at yeah. number one. It is still... Because I checked today, as of time of recording, the sixth most played song on all of Spotify. The sixth. Wow. At wow. one point in 2016, it was the top. Yeah, I remember that. But there we go. There we go. That's the song of the year. So thanks for joining us. And let's have a time to promote our various things. Where can we find you, Narlin? You can find me gigging across London. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of London now. I've got some gigs coming up, but uh, you can find most of my gigs uh, at narlin.d basically on Instagram because that's the main social that we use right now. I also have another podcast, the Podcrawl Podcast, which is a show where we invite a guest to come and talk about their three favorite pubs, uh, one mad drinking experience, and they're finally allowed to stick their favorite beverage and bar snack behind the menu of our fictional pub and uh dick's been on he was a great guest and he talks Very a lot much about enjoyed it. yeah, yeah. Uh, he, has, he talks a lot <laughs> about his time in japan and his time in south london as well so it, there's a lot Ooh. to enjoy there yeah well, Podcrawl podcast excellent Podcrawl podcast and you can find that yeah it's not beating drake's record but it's it's definitely on spotify <laughs> It's not a number six, but it's yeah, creeping it's, it's in. It's got a six and a lot of numbers after it, but not for plays. Richard, where can we find you? I am on Insta and Twitter at DickDenham underscore, and I'm gigging all over London. I don't know when you're listening to this, but just know that I am gigging. And Owen, where can we find more of your work? I'm at Owen Watts Draws on absolutely everything. I've started a new comic creators network called Comic Creatives UK. So if anybody listening to this likes uh, or creates comic books, then you can find us at Comic Creatives UK everywhere. And we have art jams, discussions, there are Q&As. We've got, yeah, it's it's a resource for people who are new to comics or established in comics uh, who need advice. And I would recommend Ooh. following that, uh, particularly on Insta, if you just like to, you know, just see and enjoy some great comic art. I am following it myself and um, it's definitely brightening up my feed. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. And we have no final word. It can be beef. <laughs> Beef, beef can be the final word. There was a lot of beef in 2016. <laughs>